Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You, you, yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking, you're talking Bradley, yeah. So yeah. you're, t- you're t- it's you can't say like the Mickey Bays or anything like that because he probably was a shocker, wasn't it? Probably beat, oh. was beaten by, by beat, beat Bay even. Yeah. So yeah, so it's <clears throat> it's madness. Well, I guess we should fire away, Cal. And... Welcome everybody. You've probably realizing here that there's some different voices on. We've started, Mark. Have we? Yes, we oh, have. Oh God, no. Sometimes what did I say. Nothing, it's fine, nothing libelous. We can all, the, the edit thing, the edit function is a wonderful thing. Okay. Um, but uh, you'll recognize today that you can't hear Alex from Bristol and that you can't hear Felonious Filth. It's me, Cal, here hosting with you today, and I'm joined by John McDonald. Hello, sir. Hello. I just hope that people can understand me. The voice of radio, they can't even put subtitles over my voice. <laughs> and Mark Butcher. Yeah, I'm the monotone vo- voice of the Southeast. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, good to be here again. It's my third. It's my third appearance in three years, which I've worked out makes me like a PBC welterweight. I just, I just yeah. come out once a year. Once a year, one time. Do a mandatory, and then I'm off again. Off so. again. No, well, it's we're like the sugar babes of the post- podcast world. We're changing. <laughs> we're, we change uh, change the cast all the time. So um, yeah, welcome, welcome everybody, welcome back. Um, to I suppose uh, John, it's your first time. Welcome. Um, I think the, what we like to do when we get new people on is ask them. What got you into boxing, John? Growing up in the 90s, it was on the TV. It was a boxing household. It was always there. You know, I would like to now try and make some outlandish claims that I, my favourite fighter growing up was Ricardo Lopez deep on Tyson undercards, but it wasn't. It, it was Tyson. It was Lennox Lewis. It was Naz. It was the same fighters that everybody liked growing up in the 90s. 
That's exactly it. And who, who, who was your favourite out of all them growing up? Again, it changed at various different times. I was a very fair-weathered friend when I was a child. Whoever was winning. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That's really, uh, yeah, so when, when Lennox lost to uh, Oliver McCoy, it was like the poster came down. Yep, I'm, a, I'm suddenly a day one diehard Oliver McCall fan. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Um, I suppose there's only one, one place to start really. It's a big announcement this week that uh, Anthony Joshua will be unifying the championships with uh, Josh Parker, uh, sorry, Anthony, uh, Joseph Parker of uh, New Zealand. Thoughts with that, John? Thoughts of, the, of that matchup? Is it, the, is, is it the matchup you wanted to see na- next for Anthony Joshua? It makes sense, you know, everyone would prefer to see the Wilder fight, that is probably the fight people want at heavyweight right now, but that if that's going to happen, it's going to happen in the summer, it's going to be Wembley. As the next option down, Parker makes a lot of sense, you know, he hasn't looked great the last couple of times out, but he's got a belt, he's undefeated, he's durable, he can punch to an extent... And his promoter's absolutely off his head. So, yeah. you know, it'll be interesting in the build-up. The fight will be decent. It's probably the second best opponent out there and the best available one. So I've got no complaints. No, I think I think you're right there. We've, we've just seen Joseph Parker <coughs> box over here. Mark boxed uh, Tyson Fury. Fury Fury. Huey Fury. Did I say Tyson? Yes. <laughs> Apologies. I uh, actually saw it. I have to be honest, I didn't buy the pay-per-view. No, I... <laughs> Even though Mick has a really fantastic platform. <laughs> I saved it up for Pete Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> ah, wonderful. Um, I've, I've lost track now. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I, I think it's good because, look, I mean, like, like John, obviously a bit older than John, but like for me, having those titles unified is paramount in the heavyweight division because it is the what everyone focuses on the sport. So I think it's a really good move by Matchroom because you're bringing the WBO into the fold and then you've got the potential to unify with Wilder. We're not too bothered about Manuel Char and the WBA sort of regular <laughs> title there, but having a unified world heavyweight champion, you know, that is the be all and end all in boxing. You know, when we had... Tyson, Evander Holyfield, the eyes of the world were on the sport and I think to, to sort of knock off those other champions, particularly in a very weak division as the heavyweights, I think is is good. And, you know, what we don't know with Parker, I mean, the thing is, there probably is a Hassim Ratman or an Oliver McCall in Anthony Joshua's future. He is not the finished article and in the heavyweights, one punch really truly does change everything. So you don't know, you know, you can have a situation where Josh retires late, that, that you know, Parker looks like he can take a shot, like a David Tua sort of person. But, you know, e- equally, um, you know, it, it's a lot, it's a big ask for him to come to England and do something. But, you know, with Joshua, there, there is an upset there along the way. And, you know, you can only box one of the two or three best. And that's Wilder, Parker, Ortiz, Povetkin at the moment, isn't mm. it? There's not much else out there. No, there's really not. Um... Joshua, uh, there's been some talk from Rob McCracken um, about his weight and that he wants to see him lighter this time. What do, you, do you think that his last two performances haven't been stellar, John? Um, do we think that's to do with weight or do we just think that's a step up in quality? Again, I think there's probably an element of both there. You know, he is fighting better opponents, but particularly last time out against Takam, he did look a little too heavy. He looked a little bit flat-footed. It, it was a little bit laborious at times. It just, it wasn't great. Do, you, do we think perhaps, Mark, that maybe if he was a bit uninspired against Takam? 
Well, I think historically, whenever you have a late substitute in boxing, it does derail the plans. And so you always get a slightly flat performance because the preparation has obviously been pushed in a different direction. I've always liked Tackham as an opponent for Joshua for the last two or three years because... You know, he is a really good gatekeeper, durable fighter. And to be honest, with a little bit more spark, he could have beaten Parker uh, over in New Zealand. He, he was he just lacked that little bit of belief, I felt. So I, I don't think that's as bad as some people might f uh, think it is. But Josh was flat, but then everything's going to be flat after the Klitschko fight because it was a heavyweight fight for the ages and one of the best heavyweight fights I think we've all seen ever. Oh, and I think there's no doubt it was the fight of the year last year. Definitely. Yeah, again, I've seen some people complaining about it, saying that for there were seven rounds where not an awful lot happened. But there were, the rounds when there was action was absolutely fantastic. And the great fights have massive shifts in momentum. And that is what that fight had. There was at least three major momentum shifts. You didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I watched it in the bar where I work and... There was everybody screaming at the TV. At least twice people thought that Klitschko was done. At least twice people thought Joshua was done. You know, it was a fantastic fight. Yeah. In, ter in terms of action throughout the rounds, something like Salido Roman was better, but it was not a better fight overall. No. Really. personally. Yeah, it, like you say, it was the Salido Roman was a great fight, great action, but there was only ever going to be one winner, wasn't there? And it was going to be Roman. Whereas this... You really didn't know. It looked like Vlad was going to perhaps get to a UD, perhaps win a decision. Um, but then Joshua managed to pull it out the bag. Um, the The first press conference took place on Tuesday, Mark. Um, it's got a bit gobby already. Yeah, I mean, there's all the talk about the sort of uh, PED allegations uh, by Higgins. But I, I think Higgins is like one of those people you meet in life who has no filter where it's almost a disorder where he'll just say what comes into his head first without any thought and you could uh, Eddie is far more slick and considered and if you know you could see him mentally outboxing Higgins and kind of tying him up in knots so if you've got Higgins in front of a, a guy with a microphone or an iPhone whatever doing an interview it probably sounds great but when you've got someone who's smart sort of contesting it I felt he kind of exposed Higgins a bit there because there wasn't really a great deal of thought about what Higgins was saying but He's a nut, and we love a nut in boxing. Yeah, we do. We love a nut, especially in the heavyweight division. You made a good point, actually, Mark, when we was we was out at a football match of our particular chosen team, which we won't mention now. Um, <laughs> but uh, you said that the, the heavyweight... Jimmy Savile All-Star. <laughs> <laughs> Very niche team. Very niche team. Very niche team. Oh, fucking hell. Um, the, the heavyweight division is the only division where they don't have to make weight. Yeah. And it makes them a little bit mad. It does, and that's why you always got to love the heavyweights. There's so many things where the discipline that is required in the other 16 divisions is not there. So you can, you know, you can be free to sort of grip the sort of reins of excess and sort of run with it. And you, you have people that, some people that can be weight. In the 1980s, it was that donking house where everyone was on cocaine, which was just crazy. <laughs> it was like, I can't understand why they lost it in their first title defence. It's what everyone was just, you know, off in the clouds, you know. And, and so you, you didn't get, it was a revolving door. And, you know, you, you've always had those sort of characters in the heavyweights. And honestly, it is, is not having, having that element of discipline that the other 16 divisions have. 
Um, so you do get the craziness, and of course you get the explosiveness that you only really get in cruiserweight and heavyweight boxing with the big guys, because cruiserweights are now essentially mini heavyweights, yes. aren't they? And there's yes. some big hitters at the top of the division, but that's what makes it intriguing. You've got that sort of crazy element, and also the fact that these people can, you know, knock out anybody on the planet. Yeah, I, do you think that the the strength of the heavyweight division almost mirrors up to the strength of the sport? Do you think they're one in the same? Again, if you've got a healthy heavyweight division, you're always going to have a healthy sport. It's always going to draw interest. People want to see big lumps of men knocking out other big lumps of men. Mm. There's, it doesn't matter if you have got a charismatic talker like Mayweather. He's never going to draw the same global attention across... Like for example, if... With heavyweight boxing, I can name old ladies in my village who can name Anthony Joshua. You yes. could never have named Floyd Mayweather, Ricky Hatton, anyone like that. So it's it's the appeal of the big guys. Yes. You always find when that first bell goes, a heavyweight fight, at any level, the crowd goes very quiet very quickly because anything can happen at any time. Um, in the press conference, it was quite a heated press conference, wasn't it, on Tuesday? And there's been a lot of stuff said beforehand. Um, I think in particular Anthony Joshua is it fair to say Mark that the mask is starting to slip well I think when you're under that much scrutiny and you have to remember everyone wants a piece of you so okay this is essentially a street guy uh, and he reformed you know boxing sort of took him away from that he was media trained obviously for the Olympics and the Team GB setup. but I, I think I think you've seen those little cracks where little things clearly are needling him that weren't needling him as he's gone to a more pressurised atmosphere. Mm. And, you know, if you get a Tyson Fury who's 75% of what he was, with his wind-ups, I mean, you know, you know Joshua's probably not going to stand up to that. But I think you're seeing that. I mean, some of the social media things he's allegedly supposed to have sent, yeah. possibly hacked, we, we, we don't know. No. But there's just those little things where you see him just bite at stuff. And it's just stuff that maybe most of us would just ignore, But particularly if we were heavyweight champion of the world. But he just seems to be biting at a few things that yeah. he didn't before. Yeah, the, the Tyson Fury stuff comes to mind. It was get back in the gym and all of that sort of thing. And uh, I think you're right. I think if Tyson Fury was to ever box again, I've been quite vocal about that. I don't think he will ever box again. Um, it would be interesting to see how Joshua would stand up to... Tyson Fury's mind games because it absolutely affected Vlad didn't it but never mind Tyson Fury's mind games I'm not even convinced that he would handle Dylan White as well and build up a second time round because mm. White angered him and annoyed him ahead of their first fight and that was when Joshua was very much with the media training in mind he didn't bite too much but by his own admission he did let him get to him and he fought like an idiot as a result mm. So even if he fought white again, could we see a more vocal, angry Joshua? I think white can definitely get underneath his skin outside the ring. I don't, I don't believe that white could ever... I think white had his chance in the second round of their first fight. I think that was as good as it's ever going to get. I think you're right. But in terms of a press conference, I think he could definitely get to him. And Tyson Fury would have loads of fun. He yeah. really would. I think I agree with you. I agree um, so, yeah, you were talking about David Higgins before, Mark, and about he's a bit mad. Mm. You've been covering boxing quite a while now. Any other promoters, that, any other stories about promoters? Who's your favourite promoter? Oh, I 
favourite promoter? Can't really think of a promoter offhand. I mean, Don, Don King, the press conferences weren't great because Don would go up there and there'd be a 45-minute ramble <laughs> thanking people, all sorts of stuff. And it, it, literally, you could just nod off if you hadn't slept. You know, the night, your flight had come the night before. You know you could sleep because there was just nothing in it. And then you'd have these sort of uncomfortable various people like Tim Austin all sat at a table <laughs> not knowing what to say and then just coming out with a no you know, nonsense quote like oh, you'll see my A game on the sat on the on the 14th and yeah I, I don't know I, I like the way Frank Warren is always kind of wound up all yes. the time and Frank Warren's uh, digs I love the, the response that he had uh, on our BM uh, sort survey. Of, uh, survey which yeah, John McDonald did some excellent work on with Luke Williams and Sean Brown but they they the way that he said that his wish for, for 2018 was that the undesirable element of the sport, you know, would finally be stopped from using StubHub as a vehicle for <laughs> fleecing fans, which, uh, which is something along uh, my own intent, because being a football fan as well, I, I don't think that you should have something like StubHub uh, where it's not genuine fans who've maybe got a bar mitzvah or a childbirth or something, yeah. so they can't go. But they literally is people just buying it to fleece other people. It should resale should be mean. It should be a genuinely bought ticket by a genuine fan yeah. who cannot go, who resells somewhere near face value. Yes, it, it cannot be this block of tickets for this major fight have disappeared and suddenly they're on inflated prices. I mean that's that's white collar crime for me, and I would I would be that strong about it because it's no. just, and that is not the way to fleece fleece your public. Um, you know, when I went to Ben Eubank one as an 18 year old, my dad bought me a ticket for my 18th birthday. There was none of that, you know. Dad's on the phone line. What's the best seat you can get for this price? And we were in. Now you'd have all that excitement about Ben Eubank one, and then you have this mysterious block of tickets that just wasn't was on sale, and yeah. that takes it takes it away from the fans, and they are the lifeblood of the support, and they're the paying customers. Yeah, you're exactly right. And we've all we've all been to events, and you see the the person outside in the leather jacket under their breath, and uh, but now it's it's out there front and center online. White um, collar, they have got a white collar. It's, it's that sleazy it. image of the guy yeah. outside the York Hall. You know, looked like he was hanging around with Bricktop about 25 years ago. You know, those those guys are gone, and now it's it's become it's it's corporate. Yeah, it really is. Um, the first time we met Mark was at the NBA. It was, yeah. It was. Oh, I, I Did you go this year? I didn't go this year. No. Do you know why? It was all on StubHub. Was it? They were. Uh, the prices got too. The prices got too expensive for me because mm. I, I I used to do seventy quids, and if you do two, you've got the booking fees one hundred and fifty. But when you're talking like two hundred quid, you know, and that's for something half decent, you can't justify it. No, it's it's stupid money, and you want to basketball is a funny sport. You want to sit as close as possible, just like boxing. You know, you want to be as close as possible, really. And no one wants to sit. In, no one wants to pay eighty pounds to sit in the gods, do they? No, not at all. But there's an example at present that shows if an organiser really wants to stop touting, they can do it. This is probably the first time musical theatre has ever been mentioned on this podcast, but bear with me. Uh, recently, the Broadway smash Hamilton transferred over to the West End. It's a hip-hop musical, and tickets were changing hands for... $5,000, $25,000 in the States on resale markets. They were booked up three years in advance. So when it came over here, they insisted that to get in, 
you need to bring photographic ID, a copy of the original email, confirmation email, and the card that you bought the tickets on. All your party that are going in have to arrive together, and you only get handed your tickets once you're inside the building, and you can't Brilliant. get back out. Bravo. And this is for something that is absolutely massive. It's sold out now until like July or August, and they've demonstrated that if the organisers really want to curb down on it, it is possible. But didn't Ed Sheeran do something? Is it Ed Sheeran did yeah. something similar to like Wembley, where you couldn't do it? Because bear in mind, that's, that's usually a younger market, yeah. isn't it, buying those tickets. And it's, it's, it shows that when you get people of that you know, level of success that can do that, um, then you know, there's, there's no reason to do this. And I, yeah. I'm hoping that it's something, you know, I think uh, you know, Matchroom have done wonders for the sport of boxing. But you know, for me, an asterisk will be that stub hub element because that has no place uh, in boxing. And it's just, it's just one of those things I always try and explain to people that the difference between what is the law and what is morally right and wrong are two different things and the law is an ass sometimes yeah you're absolutely right but joshua parker is it'll be a great event i imagine it'll sell out the principality stadium it's called now isn't it i imagine it'll sell that out in 45 seconds and uh should be a great fight um just moving on now just to some news bits and pieces I suppose one of the biggest surprises of the new year was Amir Khan signing with Matram. How surprised was you, John? I didn't see that one coming. No. I, I will be completely honest. I knew that Amir didn't have an awful lot of options, which suddenly means that the Kelbrook fight is more attractive than it's ever been before. The pair of them aren't really going to fancy Spence again or Thurman. So the biggest fight for them is each other. And I really hope that they just get it done this time, that there is no excuses. There, there, there's a, still lots of things that they could use to screw this fight up. They could claim that one wants to be the A-side or Khan is now convinced that he can make 140 again and try and drag Brook down to 147. Or oh, I still fear that they're going to find a way to mess this fight up. I'm, so, I'm very much, I said to you uh, when we met, I'm very much a glass half full kind of guy. I just kind of imagine that it's going to happen now. Um, I think you're right. Um, there's not really a lot for either <clears throat> of them at 147 or 154. You know, all the champions at 147 are very strong. You wouldn't pick uh, Khan or Brooke against Spence, Furman or um, Terence Crawford if he beats Jeff Form. Uh, and then at 154, the champions are extremely strong at, at 154. You've got Jamel Charlo, you've got Erisandri Lara, you've Jarrett Hurd. You've got Jarrett Hurd, and then Saddam Ali, who I thought was excellent against Miguel Cotto. Mm. There's there's no gimmies for Kell Brook at 154 or Amir Khan at 147. Um, what do you think about um, Khan's move back to Matron, Mark? It's interesting. It's, it was about as surprising as Ahmed Khan joining the Catholic Church, really, wasn't it? I mean, it, was, it was just like, wow, you know. I mean, there clearly was no love lost. I've, I like Ahmed Khan, but I've always thought Kel Brook beats him because, you know, Brook is a, is a sharp fighter and Khan will always give you a chance. Um, yeah, I, I think it's good. I like John. I, I think something will happen to mess it up. I mean, I, I just... It just it, this is a fight, a frustrating fight that should have been made so long ago for whatever reason, egos, contracts, you know, affiliations, it didn't happen. Let's hope it does happen. Uh, one thing we know with Amir Khan and Kel Brook, they're in exciting fights. They're both great fighters to watch, you know. 
Sky obviously are in the business of pay-per-views to finance the huge football packages they pay for. Mm. Khan Book is a no-brainer pay-per-view. We know Book from pay-per-view. Khan is a big name. Khan has a, a bigger following than some people think among a casual element. So uh, it's a tremendous fight. Let's hope they don't mess it up. And it, but if if Khan, obviously some names down here like Granados Khan is a good fight. <laughs> I like that because, fight. because Granados is going to be there. Yes. And so if, d- d- if that's twelve rounds. Granados is going to be there at the twelfth round, mm. and we know with uh, you know we know with Khan he's always vulnerable, which which makes him exciting. So I'd lo- I'd love to see Khan versus Granados. Uh, Demarco was interviewed before, and I, I don't think he has a, a huge amount left. No. Uh, Sammy Vasquez off a big win in all fairness, but it was more a lucky <clears throat> punch. It was, and he's always he's always got that. And uh, you know, with his, his his sister being so ill in the past, I'm I'm pleased if he does get the payday. But I mean, Sammy Vasquez really is no more than a, a, a glorified club fighter with a good story. Josecito Jose Lopez, you know, is pretty much past his sell-by date. So you hope it's Granados because Granados would be... He's probably the freshest out of all of them, isn't he? He's but probably the livest body. There's a really ominous thing. If you look at Josecito Lopez's box rec page, he's got, he's got a fight scheduled and it's showing postponed. For tickets, please call this number. So he had a fight scheduled. It's no longer scheduled. He he's six years removed from his biggest win over Ortiz. He is, I think, is he four years on from his last relevant win of any sorts? He ticks the box as being the lowest risk here. Mm. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's him or Vasquez. Because again, Vasquez doesn't have a win of note. Lost to uh, Colazzo and Felix Diaz in his last two. It's, it's one of those two. You know, Granados has been thrown out to tease us. That, yes. that is just the... Right. That, that's the name you want, but it's not the one you're going to get. Do we do we blame Khan after... Ne- it's been nearly two and a half years since he's fought at welterweight. Do we blame Khan if he takes a layup? <clears throat> In his first fight no, back in not, the weight. not really if it is a layup on the pathway to a slam dunk or something significant but I mean if we go into that next fight where it's a patsy and then you get something which is a vacant title or a WBA regular style thing that's the thing sometimes it's always the path of least resistance isn't it that it's the softest route and I think the real fight fans can see that and the reality is we, we want to see him in meaningful fights and to be honest he doesn't have that much time on his side no. you know and so hopefully yeah you can get away with one of those lesser names if the next fight is of significance and it can't be any worse than the route that Matchroom plotted for Bellew Cleverly 2 <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> where the pair of them just fought the single worst cruiserweights they could find yeah Mm. No, you're right. I think that's a good to point. To ensure that there was absolutely no chance of messing up that messing pay-per-view. Up. Do you know what the mad thing about that pay-per-view? It did really well. Yeah. And that, that is yeah. the crazy thing, is that people think no one's going to buy that. But they did. That was, that was a very healthy pay-per-view, which obviously excited the, the suits at Sky because, you know, it showed that, that what you, you can do, you know. And because, but Bellu sells a fight and, 20, and Sky Sports News is a 24-hour rolling advert Yes. To consumers. Yes. Sports consumers. Is that the first fight that broke Eddie Hearn's promise when he made Frotch Kessler 2? That pay-per-view would only be used for fights that you could not make 
on standard sky. And that sound you can hear is the sliding of goalposts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, let's, if they can get away with it, they'll pay per view it. But I mean, the, the 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 contrary argument is if you're at Sky or something, you think, well, yeah, if this is not great, then you don't need to worry about paying for it. Yeah. But I think the underlying angst that people have is that we all pay so much for these packages. If you're someone you're paying for Sky Sports, you've got Netflix, Amazon Prime, BT Sport for the Champions League and the NBA, all of a sudden you're on about 150 for this, you know. It's it's taking drug addicts off the streets like <laughs> watch television. They can't afford the habit anymore. So it's it's terrible. But you know, it's I, I think that's it and I think that's why people resent it. And it's like something like Joshua Klitschko that's an easy £20 yes. for people to pay because if you were trying to watch that in a pub you're going to spend more than that anyway you can do it in the comfort of your own home but you get those marginal pay-per-views and you just think you know, Eubank Groves is another one that's one people will, will go for because yep, it's a good fight absolutely um, but yeah it, there's going to be a few funny ones that creep on there aren't they uh, oh, of course, of course. Are, they've got dates to fill. Are they moving back to the pattern that Frank Warren used to do in the nineties, where he would bundle pay-per-views with US fights? Because the announcement of he and Bellew fighting on Cinco de Mayo weekend, mm. which will be the likely date for Golovkin Canelo two, I can't help but think that Sky are going to buy the rights to Golovkin Canelo that comes about, bundle it all together as a cross-site pay-per-view, 25 quid, all in, both fights. Either that or make BT pay through the nose for Golovkin Canelo, knowing that very few will buy both. Or you got the fallback. If in the unlikely event that David Hay gets injured, you've already, you've already got a pay-per-view read for you. That's a good point. No, you know, I, I mean, I mean you know... Um, the worst thing is for every David Hay fight, you know, people say, oh, looking forward to this. And you go, well, his body's in bits. You know, we're not talking the same injury. We're not talking Jackie Wilshire's ankle or something, yeah, are we? You know, yeah. we're talking, it's something different every time. And when the body starts to break down, it's anything, you know. And, and he's very brittle. Yes. And, and I think the one thing, I remember was at some fight at the O2 Arena and you have that horrible thing, you have to dash the wing side, you're, you're in the toilet, you're in the cocaine queue which you're not in for but you yeah. need to go to the toilet yeah. in an urgent manner and there's all the dodgy people there and they're going yeah David is going to be undisputed champion of the world he's yeah he's going fantastic and they said well time, time hasn't stopped you know he's older now mm. you have to remember the boxing moves on being out of the ring and not having a significant win uh, for so long and being you know basically huffing and puffing against Del Boy before he found that sort of punch so for five rounds he's dangerous against anybody but once you go past five rounds you know all those sort of creaks you mm. know start to manifest themselves so yeah I mean I think that's interesting John because clearly there's going to be a huge battle for that and there's a way where they can finance that but also they've got an out if hey exhume Nathan Cleverly from wherever he is for Cleverly Banu Free or yeah. something you know <laughs> and they, they could do it but they could corner the market because just now the so-called casuals will buy He Bellew too Absolutely, and yeah. so-called hardcores will buy Golovkin Canelo too if you bundle the two together you can get the entire market who are going to buy anything that weekend for apart sure. from Team Stream of course <laughs> <laughs> Team 
<laughs> no, that's a good point. I never thought of it like that way at all. That they've they've chosen that date. They they obviously you know it's a long way away. They could have booked any date really that far in advance. It could you be never... the cynic in me, but that's just how it looks from it a distance. Makes sense. Yeah. It makes absolute sense. Um, gun to your head, chaps. Khan Brook. Does it happen by the end of the year? No. No. Not a chance. God's sake. <laughs> Fuck. I started this podcast an optimist. I'm going to leave it thinking not wanting to buy, watch a fight ever again. And obviously on the on the same night is, uh, as Khan's come back in, in Liverpool, uh, it's Carl Frampton against Nelito Donaire. Not the elite of the featherweight division, I would task, but two old scrappers having it. What do you think, Mark? I think, I mean, having interviewed Nanito over Macau, whenever I say Macau, take a shot, because I say it every time I talk about boxing, but, uh, <laughs> but with Nanito, it's a great fight for Carl, because Nanito is only going to fight one way. N- Nanito is just wants to knock you out. It's gonna, he's going to be coming to fight. Frampton is far more slick. He's a perfect name and opponent to make Frampton look good. Also, that way, Nanito's not a, not a featherweight. No. Uh, of of uh, you know at this time who is going to cause problems so I think it's a great fight for the Belfast fight fans Nelito is also a proper gentleman and I just think it's a win win for everyone who buys that ticket I think it's a fantastic match and I think it will it will really uh, allow Frampton to shine and Nelito hopefully to come out with credit too I was super tempted to go to this fight because I went to the Frampton against Garcia back in November, my first time in Belfast. That was a fantastic card as well. It was yeah. a really good card. I wanted to tick the box. I just wanted to tick the box and go, and I did, and it was uh, fantastic. They put all the even, even the Dublin kids got a great got a great yeah. reception. Belfast kids. It was such a fantastic atmosphere, and I'm still really quite tempted about this Denair fight. Thoughts on it, John? The again, Mark's pretty much ticked all the boxes on the Denair fight. I think it's brilliant matchmaking he's got name value he's not particularly dangerous he's never looked good at featherweight he doesn't have the one shot power at the weight you know if you're struggling with Betty Eka yes. at this weight you know Carl Frampton should have enough Donaire is a pure counter puncher who doesn't like to set up his own opportunities he likes to wait so there's no danger of him outworking and outpointing Carl Frampton here I think it's Fantastic matchmaking and the undercard just looks really, really good. I like the three or fights that have been announced. Yes, me too. Absolutely, loads of lo- loads of local guys. Yeah. You know, all solid opposition. All Ireland fights. You know, Conrad Cummings against Luke Keeler could just be a firefight. Yes, mm. Conrad it's a Cummings, tremendous match, isn't yeah. it? It really is. He likes to fight like an idiot at the best of times. And unless Jamie Moore can rein him in, the first time Keeler tags him, we could end up with something reminiscent of the Keeler Tom Doran fight, yeah, super which was fight, just yeah. a three-round gunfight. Oh my god! Also, you know, yeah, fantastic, fantastic fight. Um, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a hell of an event over yeah. in Belfast. I'm still, I'm still quite tempted. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, and then coming up, um, we've got uh, the WBSS Cruiserweight semi-finals coming up. I've just done the. Humble brag, I've just done the preview for Boxing Monthly Online and waiting for for um, Luke to run the red pen across it and make it look presentable and get it out. Um, the first the first one is uh, the you know the tournament favourite Alexander Usyk against the uh, WBC champion Marius Bredis. Thoughts on that one, gents, Mark? Tris Dixon's look alike. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Tris Dixon's look alike. There's something about the Dixon genes that, that is quite fearsome. But yeah, you know, I think I think I think it's very hard even with it being an away fight for Usyk to see past him because you know he, he has just got all the tools isn't it and all the amateur pedigree and you know I mean Breedis didn't really like the, the you know 
light up any sort of the, anything particularly exciting last time. So no. it's hard to look past them. So the, the, the other the fight that, that obviously is the one that catches the imagination is Gassier versus Dortigos, <laughs> which yes. is which is going to be mayhem, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Go on, John. You know, I, while I was trying to work out who I was going to put some money on in that fight, I went back and watched Dortikos's amateur fight against Artur Baturbiev. Oh, wowzers. It's out there, it exists, and it is great fun. Get your tissues out. But <laughs> Dortikos gets stopped in there, which makes me a little bit questionable about his whiskers. Which has made me lean towards Gassier, but it's going to be great fun while it lasts. Those big, wide, suicidal body shots that Gassier throws are just fantastic to watch. I was sat there writing on Sunday. I watched a lot of videos Saturday and then was writing Sunday. As I was writing, I still didn't know who I was going to pick. <laughs> I was writing it and I got to the last brand. I'm thinking, I'm talking myself out of it here um, because Dortikos is... He, he's got 95% knockout ratio. He has the four-inch reach advantage, but it's in Russia. Gassiev is a quality operator. He walked Lebedev down, um, took everything, you know, Lebedev, defense isn't the best on Gassiev, I'd say, um, but because Leb, Lebedev hit him with decent shots, Gassiev didn't blink. It's really hard to pick this one. Yeah, I, I mean, I, probably Gassiev having the better chin will probably be the outcome. I mean, Gassiev prevails because Dortikos does have that look of it, the old chinny banger, doesn't he? So he looks devastating when he does it. And uh, old bearded Russian friend Kudrashov, I can oh. never say, say, say his name, yeah, yes. who in his dreams is, is John McDonald. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but he, he you know, we've, we've seen him before and he's vulnerable. But that, he was the perfect opponent to make Dortikos look a million yes, dollars. Yes. So I, I would favour Gassiev personally against Dortikos. Yeah. I'm a Dortikos fan. Yeah, spoiler alert, I have picked Gassiev. I think the I think the the um the body punching I think will be the key and I think I think we're gonna have a classic on our hands. I think it could be an all time cruiserweight classic and but I think Gassiev could stop him to the body. You see if that's a classic, I am just terrified that Bredis is going to try and hug yes. Usyk to death for twelve rounds. Yeah. You know, he's I know that uh, Mike Perez had lost a lot of weight and looked in good shape. But I just couldn't understand why Bredis wanted to hug him so yeah. much. I know he was looking good, but God. It was an awful fight, wasn't oh, it? It's not, because if you actually listen to Careless Whisper on a loop for the full 12 rounds, <laughs> it's actually a story about two men <laughs> denied by social boundaries expressing their full love in front of a bemused audience. But yeah, it, it was terrible, seriously. But yeah, I think the most memorable thing about it was the refereeing performance. I thought he was awful. I've, I've not written his name down, but that he was an Italian. I think he's an Italian guy. He was terrible. Mm. He was terrible, and it was. It really was an awful fight. And I can't. They've obviously put it in Latvia to give you know to make it seem that Breedis has half a chance. But I think Usyk's gonna walk all over him. I think. I don't think it's really gonna be too competitive, to be honest. But this is a fantastic tournament, isn't it? And uh, I think if I think we're all expecting Usyk to win the tournament, he's the heavy. He's the heavy bookies' favourite. Would you expect him to go after Joshua next? I think that's a long way off, isn't it? But I mean, what with the thing is, once if in theory Joshua gets past Parker, gets past Wilder, uh, provoking like you're gonna have the new wave of of, of, of heavyweights coming through, like uh, like Yoko and Joyce and uh, Croatian as well, bronze medalists. So all of those guys can, you know, 
they will be there in two years to sort of make the top 10 look refreshed. And historically, you do get cruisers that, that, that step up. And, you know, he's, he's got the frame and, of course, he's got the boxing ability. But size-wise, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big lump. You, know, you like Joyce, lump. don't you, Mark? You like Joyce? I like Joyce a lot, yeah. I, mean, I think Joyce has definitely got something. But you have to remember that the division is so weak. Uh, and, and you go through all of boxing and there is no weaker division than the heavyweights. You've got a couple of... You know, suspected PED users mm. uh, and a couple of champions with a fragile claim and Joshua. Yeah. You know, and people will say, "Oh, Wilder's fantastic." And it's like, "Well, Wilder's beaten Stavern twice." Mm. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that is the, the you know everything else. If you look at the Molinas, the Spilkers, and all these people that do do Apus, they're people that Josh would be slated for fighting. Yeah. And obviously, Josh would a better job on, on Molina, but you know. People like Brazil and Dillian White are better can people that, than who 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 Wilder's defended against. He's yeah. actually fought barely nobody in thirty nine fights. Yep, he has fought literally nobody. But it's interesting on Usyk if he is to move up. Eddie Hearn said a few years ago that the only sort of opponent he could see beating Joshua Bar with a lucky punch is someone small, nimble, better footwork, better hand speed. And a lot of people can't get past the first round of the Olympics when Joshua didn't look all that good against Savon. Yes. Many people scored in Savon's favour. I Savon. was in the building. I scored it in Savon's favour. I thought he could. I think, I, think, I think pretty much everyone thought that Savon and Camarel, everyone thought no one would have been surprised if they'd won no. those ones. I mean, and, and if, if it had been in America and it had been a Tyrell big stuff and we'd be screaming blue murder. <laughs> yeah. So look, he was, he was lucky, but that's what the Olympics is just political. It always has been, yeah. you know, so. I think, I think you're right about Usyk. I think that, uh, I think after the tournament, I think he's going to look at heavyweight because what else is there for him? He will, he would have won the tournament. He would have beaten the best of fight, fighters in the division. He would have all the belts. There wouldn't really be a lot left for him at cruiserweight, and I, I could see. And I think he has the frame for heavyweight. How, how tall is he? Six three. He's six foot three. Yeah. Three? So it's, it's it's manageable, isn't it? It's manageable if you're looking at the Parkers and the Povetkins being considered among yes. the top half dozen. Uh, so it's it's possible, and obviously. In terms of talent and boxing ability, he's better than all of those guys in terms of pure boxing ability. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think, he, you know, jumping straight to Joshua or Wilder would be a bit mad, but he could go through Povetkin, Parker. Speaking of Povetkin, last couple of days, there's been talk of Povetkin Price on the on the undercard for Parker, Joshua. What do you think, John? Oh, it's just, it's a horrible fight. It's not one I want to see because... David Price will almost certainly talk a good game, say he's got his confidence back, but mentally he seems too fragile. He'll get stopped, and then it'll be, it was another peg user. And that's what it's going to come down to. He said he was never going to fight another one, and here he is saying that he's agreed terms to fight Povetkin, who's twice failed tests. You know, I just don't see the logic unless it's a cash out. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm disappointed in Eddie Hearn that he would entertain someone like Povetkin. I, I think he is a serial drug cheat, if you like. He's proved, and I know it's the, <clears throat> I don't know, perhaps I'm being naive, Mark, you're giving me that look, but it's, <laughs> it's... No, not at all. It's, I just think, 
come on, it's all about what's best for boxing and all that stuff, and we're going to bring Povetkin over here, yeah. of all people. I've only ever dated PED users. So <laughs> I, think, I think you're giving them a bad rap, you know. They're the only ones mock, that can keep up, aren't they? Don't mock what you can't <laughs> understand. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, do you know what? It brings me on to I'm glad you mentioned that, because one of the things that I think winds up everybody about boxing Britain is just the selective morality yeah. of, like, Tony Thompson, terrible drug cheat, and then the next thing, great to have Kid Galahad back, you know, yes. or something like that. And you think, you can't, you know, you can't assume all the British people are innocent and all the foreign people, you know, I mean, if, if you're going to take uh, Kid Galahad's brother spiking a drink uh, as, as innocence, but you're going to say Mexican having contaminated meat like Lewis Neary is as being guilt, Mm. It's very, it's cherry picking. I mean, mm. the thing is, we don't know who is, you know, innocent or guilty. You know, we only know that Kid Galahad's brother does a cracking night out. Mm. You know, other, <laughs> other, 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 other than that, we, we don't know. Yeah. And, you know, you know obviously, innocence is presumed here. But in the same way, the contaminated meat, which is a, is a problem mm -hmm. in Mexico, you know, you know, that's just as legitimate, isn't it? Contaminated meat. So, you know. Yeah, no. We've had three people in this country test positive for methyl hexanamine. Uh, Enzo Mack, Tony Dodson and Dylan White. And all of them cited that it was from over-the-counter supplements, which has generally been accepted. We don't question that reason at all despite the fact that methyl hexanamine is a diuretic which can be used to mask other substances well this is the thing is that so many of these things are masking agents yeah. so it seems something quite benign but of course it's what you know and, and but you go through Evander Holyfield Roy Jones Jr you know, if you ask me two of the 10 best fighters of the last 30 years they're in it yes you know and there's a lot more of this that goes on than, than I think comes to light. I mean, a lot of people get away with it. There's certain people who we are pretty sure that are on something that mm -hmm. we can't say. Um, and, and it's just whether they get caught. And, you know, you've got the fantastic sort of Margaret Goodman at VADA, VADA testing, you know, and, and, and the great having the WBC. And I believe the WBA are going to roll that out as well, where you have to be tested. Anything like that is, is, is a positive step because, you know, people's lives are at stake here, you know, and so you, you can have a situation where someone gets killed because one guy is juiced up to the eyeballs. Mm, no. Are we naive in this sport? Because with the Fancy Bears hack, it's been shown that in almost every other sport that they use therapeutic use exemptions to allow people to use performance-enhancing drugs legally. Mm we just don't there hasn't been a leak in boxing so is it happening are we using do we have lots of asthmatic attention deficit disorder suffering boxers so <laughs> they can use all sorts all sorts of stuff you know we just don't know but there's one anecdote and I can't say who it is but there's one extremely famous sports person that uh, a time ago uh, had so many endorsements and they were discovered to be on PEDs and the uh, organisation authority of, of that particular sport said pretend you are injured for this period of time mm. and then it's wiped off because this person was so important to them at the time. Yeah. And, uh, and the whole of that time that was reported as an injury then they came back and they had a very successful career before and a very successful career afterwards. So, um, 
I, I think this goes far, far deeper than well, I think we're only seeing the ripple on the surface. Shouldn't and, just and let them all use it, Mark? Well, I mean, there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's that, there is that argument, but I mean, you're also getting a lot of incredibly ripped physiques of yeah. people that are huge at certain weights that shouldn't be that way. And, you know, yeah, there are, you know, there are changes in sort of training, nutrition, new techniques, but yeah. there, there is, there is something there. And, uh, you know, I, it's, I think it's more widespread, but yeah, I, I think, I don't know what you do. I think having one unified body of a sport like every other normal sport as yes. would be a step in the right direction it's the because you know if you are someone who is a user or, or concerned about something you'll think i might use such and such organization so i'm not going to be tested so you can cherry pick the organization the secondary title which is the best route for you i want to get this you know uh, ibf european sort of nonsense wbo european all these ones that get you the ranking Whichever route you feel is the easiest path, you know, and a lot of people, when you get the list of the people that refuse the WBC test, it's very telling because there's a lot of names on there that people have like refused to take the test. Yes. And that might be, there might be perfectly valid reasons for that, but equally, you know, that is the blue ribbon, that is the main world title. Yes. So, so no, it's gone, John. There's the other problem here is that even if someone does test positive and is issued a ban, it's only commissions which are World Anti-Doping Association affiliated that the ban works in. So for example, you can box in Germany whilst being banned by the British Boxing Board of Control. Yeah. So it's it's madness. There is just no uniformity in the sport whatsoever. And it's it's been the biggest problem in the sport for a long time. No FIFA, if you like. No unilateral control over the sport and Louis Ortiz is a, is a great example you know he's he, he, poor man's just got high blood pressure I know I know he's <laughs> <laughs> but you know he tests positive and a month later he's on PBC and he's and he's boxing again there's no consistency and for me it's the biggest problem in the sport it's not the first time he's tested positive no, that's, no. The, that's, that's, that's the thing and you know that's that's highly suspicious um who's that guy that he bowled over that the coyote, coyote. Yes. yeah that guy and he looked fantastic doing it and coyote pretty durable at the time you know and uh, yeah there's, there's too much smoke there with Ortiz yeah. I think and, and in fairness to Wilder an argument that's always put is like well he has signed to fight Povetkin he had originally signed to fight Ortiz and you know uh, I believe he wants to fight these people but, was... also, uh, but also at the same time the whole Heyman PBC thing where you just have top fighters fighting one time in the year. Uh, Why do you think that is? Do you think it's a money thing? Do you think you can't afford to put on the shows because the the um, PBC as an entity is has spent so much money? Do you think it's that? Or, or too many fighters? But there's, there's too many marketable fighters. I mean, I'm, we're going to get onto Spence shortly, but or a bit later, but with Spence, you know, Beating Kell Brook, who was a very good, you know, dangerous world champion, I in his backyard in an impressive way, you know, even just a just a, a random voluntary, you know, in Texas, you know, that just like yeah, you know, this is a guy who's a future star of the sport that's going to be pound for pound top five, but it wasn't built upon. Just disappeared for like eight or nine months, and he's straight into the Peterson fight, and you just think. Who? That's not advice. If there's no injury, mm. that is criminal to do that. Can you imagine the Don King days? 
in the sort of Terry Norris sort of Simon Bradford, he'd be out again in two and a half months. He wouldn't get paid, but he'd be out again in <laughs> <laughs> two and a half months. You know? You're right, Mike. We are going to move on to Errol Spence shortly. Um, before before we do that, I want to talk about O'Hara Davies, and I want to talk about what's gone on with him. It's a little bit sketchy what's going on with him, so I'll do my best, and please, please correct me if I go wrong anywhere. So... He has this long-standing rivalry with Liverpool. Liverpool is a city, Liverpool boxing fans, uh, Liverpool boxers. Um, and so he sent out some tweets, and I think the one which made, which caused the most, caused the most offence, um, hashtag by the sun. I think that was probably the most inflammatory one. Um, after that, he was supposed to be boxing on the Akoli Chamberlain show. Uh, he was removed from that. Then Sim, uh, the Sims management group, they've said he's suspended. Um, thoughts on that, Mark? Yeah, I mean, it, it smacks again of selective morality because they pulled him. They pulled a guy that doesn't shift any tickets from a show. And when I first saw Hara said something offensive, I, having spoken to Hara and interviewed him a few times, you know, I think he's actually a nice bloke. But I think he is a guy who in marketing himself has lost touch with reality because he just goes too far and some of the things there's just there's, there's no reassuring hand his management someone should be saying listen listen you know you, you you've got a you've got to have some balance here there's no twinkle in your eye it, it seems malicious and so it comes across i think worse than it is but you know it's it's like they, I looked for the tweet that he sent and I thought, my God, this must be something awful. If it's yeah. worse than what he said about Robbie Davis Jr.'s dad passing, which was the worst thing I think he said mm. and was terrible. Um, and I looked and it was like, don't buy the sun. So I, 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 no, no, it's something like, I, I, I'll be interviewed by the sun after I beat Tommy Coyle. Yeah. Tommy Coyle. And I was thinking, Tommy Coyle? I mean, it's like, what connection does Tommy Coyle have with Liverpool? Yeah. And it's like, I thought, has... I mean, I don't know. This may be the case. Maybe Tommy had, had a relative that sadly perished in the Hillsborough disaster. And I thought, it has to be that. So I searched it, could find nothing. And it, it seemed really tame. And I think it seemed very hypocritical on Matchroom's uh, uh, side because Barry Hearn had a son column. If you go to a fight, the son will be in the first row of ringside. They will be invited. They will get uh, special treatment at press conferences. The nationals are taken away to a little table where five or six, B seven people will all sit and get an interview with the, the, the you know the, the main man. And it's like, okay, if he's being banned because this publication is so toxic, which I mean I think it is toxic, but why why are they why are they given preferential treatment at your shows? That's that's what you're pulling him out for. But you you roll out the red carpet for them. I think basically. They thought he's more trouble than he's worth now. Um, that he kind of reached his level by being uh, destroyed by Josh Taylor. But I think it's just Josh Taylor's an exceptional fighter. I don't think that's any reflection on O'Hara's abilities. I think Taylor's different level. Um, so yeah, I think it seems I think it seems hypocritical. And let's be honest, if Anthony Joshua rocked up in an ISIS flag or something at the press conference for the Parker fight in in Wales. It would be, oh, you know, he's got his own beliefs. The, the, the brutal reality is Davis does not bring in enough money, does not sell enough tickets for the trouble to be worthwhile. And, and it's an easy out for them. That's how I see it. Yeah. John, what was, what was your thoughts on how it went down and, and Matram and the Sims's response to it all? I agree with everything that Mark said, to be honest. It's just really bizarre. 
it screams that there's issues going on behind the scenes that we don't know about and this was the excuse yeah. to get rid of him because O'Hara has put out posts on social media in the past things along the lines of if you didn't advise me at the very very bottom don't try and advise me now yes so I wonder is he a difficult young man to try and reason with you know I've, everyone says that he is lovely and the small dealings I've had with him he has been but he has had this very clear idea of this persona which he believes has increased his marketability when in reality I've always believed that he would be exactly where he is now if he hadn't even picked up a smartphone downloaded the Twitter app and started writing nonsense mm. because he started fighting on matchroom shows from his third fight onwards when he started working with Tony Sims so that was his in with matchroom mm. he's then fighting on the shows he doesn't sell tickets the general public don't know who he is even yeah. on this social media platform that he's supposedly notorious he has got half the followers of Derry Matthews Tommy Coyle he's got less than Josh Taylor so this persona this gimmick that he's created to try and market himself it just it doesn't seem to have been successful in any way and I wonder has Eddie tried to have a word with him you know mm. rein it in it's not doing an awful lot and he's insisted on sticking with it and they've just had enough which does not justify their actions extremely hypocritical but it's the only logical conclusion <coughs> I can reach no I know um, yeah it's, it's interesting what I, I think for me the Sims the Sims in particular I think taking him off the show and taking him out of the firing line and, and having and sitting him down somewhere I thought that made sense I thought that was kind of a sensible decision to take him off the Akoli show the Sims though for me the management thing you're supposed to, I think as um, as management you're supposed to support your fire not to publicly cast you know to, to dig them out and to suspend them I thought that was a bit much um, you're meant to be a buffer as well you're yes. meant to be there sort of protecting them if you, if in any sort of PR thing you know for a major personality you'll have someone there fielding and protecting them where everyone just seems to have just like jettisoned him and look I, I, I think that I want to have my chips out of the Sun newspaper I think it's it's just peddles misery and has done so many terrible things which unfortunately the Hillsborough disaster is only one of many terrible things mm. that they have done um, but really is that the reason why he can't Oh, I, I, no. mean, I, I mean, it's it's just like it's it's nothing, is it? I I've, mean, I think a point that was made quite a lot was that M Rupert Murdoch owns Sky, and Matram do their business with Sky. Rupert Murdoch owns the Sun and has owned the Sun since 1969. He was as much involved in the Hillsborough, the way it was publicised as anybody. I, I, t it's just again, like we said before, it smacks of selective. Um, it's, it's hypocritical. It's selective morality. Well, I mean, look, for, in, from as a trained journalist, yeah. uh, you know, if I was, uh, you know, if I was, you know, uh, editor of the Sun or something, and that Hillsborough story come, come in, I'd say we're not running that. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's 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 a very obvious story. Not only is it in terrible taste, it, it's just not going to be true because that's just not how people react in those disaster situations. Mm. People instantly try and save people and. And it just clearly wasn't true at the time. And, and so, unfortunately, the sun is very much in Murdoch's image. Mm. But I just thought it was a strange one to put him out on that. And, and I, I just think, well, yeah, it, it just it seems so hypocritical. But yeah. If you contrast the treatment of O'Hara Davis with Conor Benn, 
who went and was on, was it Periscope? I can't remember. He was on some social media platform. There was a video of him mocking Robin Deacon for his club foot, mm-hmm. holding up a picture of a child with a club foot to the screen. It was seen by many people. Suddenly, Connor Ben was injured. He was disappeared out of the limelight for five or six months. He's been brought back, heavily hyped. No mention of what happened. He may have been genuinely injured, but it just screamed like they took him out of the situation. They never officially commented on it. They let it blow over and they brought him back with all the hype. Mm, and yeah. they've hung O'Hara out to dry. Yeah, I, I, I do really take exception to that. I don't entirely agree with what you said, John, about him not having to have that persona in terms of to create a market for himself. I think someone like him who's fraught with some Croydon. Hackney. He's from Hackney, sorry. Um, he has no Olympic background. He's not the son of a legend. There's, he has to, ha- you know, he, there's no one there to back him. He's not affiliated with a football club. There's like a lot he's of the got, He's got that support. It's he, he him. But he hasn't got the support. The yeah. persona hasn't actually generated no. anything. He doesn't sell tickets. He's not pay-per-view. He doesn't even have social media followers. Mm. It is a gimmick that has fallen on deaf ears. I just genuinely can't see how he has benefited himself. He got to Matchroom by joining Tony Sims. And Tony Sims didn't sign him up on his ability to talk nonsense on Twitter. Mm. He got signed because he hits hard. And if you, you can market that. You know, there's guys with absolutely no pedigree who have had more success than him on the back of just being directed carefully and on their own fighting ability. Do you think they made more money than him? Because that's that's his end game, isn't it? Yep. And he says that himself, when he where he said before, you didn't guide me in the beginning, don't guide me now. He's well, it's, inter- it's interesting because when I, I I did the social media column for Boxing Monthly, which they asked me to do one on social media, it would have been my first choice. Um, the first column I did was an interview with Eddie Hearn. I said, well, how do you sort of like you know, how do you cotton wool the, the fighters to the abuse that they get on social media? And he kind of said that you know they get a bit of you know they get a bit of instruction, a little bit of teaching what they should or should not say. Does that mean that O'Hara has been going against the grain? And they thought, we can't control this kid. Yeah. Or if they thought, you know what, this is the only way we're going to get him to market himself, let him do it. Yeah. Some people say during the fights in Liverpool, fight, you know, the, the press conference up with Derry Matthews uh, as well, that, that, that they were kind of egging him on. They weren't toning him down. They thought it's great. And unfortunately, without using the C word, casual, when you have the Sky Sports <laughs> News audience and they see anyone having a, a little rumble at a press concert or a weigh-in, that is, a, that is pay-per-view sold. Absolutely. And then one other thing, if I just tag on to that, you, the further hypocrisy of British boxing, you can have David Haig and wallop anybody at any press conference. Peter McDonough does a sort of shifty sort of comparison against Shane Singleton. And McDonough, who, to be honest, is a good sort of honest pro yeah. who needs to be out every yep. couple of months... Uh, he's being denied a livelihood, and it's like, where is the consistency there? No, you're you know, exactly and it, right. it, it, that, it, that seems hypocritical. I mean, McDonald's you know, just should have been warned, but if you're going to do that to him, what about what about Hay? What about Benny? What about all these people? But at that same press con, uh, that same way in that McDonough gave Singleton a little light tap, Huey Fury gave Joseph Parker quite a substantial shove. Mm, yeah, and there was no mention about Hugh. He didn't even get called in for a slap on the wrists. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's it. It, it really is cherry picking, and I yes. think that's what lead for the real diehards of boxing. What leads to the frustration is you see these things, and it's just that is the danger when you have one promoter, and it was the same thing with Frank Warren in the past, who is so that the whole boxing industry, including the border control, relies on them to be successful. I do think they must find themselves in the position where they have to make judgment calls yes. on certain things. Whereas, unfortunately, there should the law should be applicable to all if you know if it's going to be enforced. And I, and I think you know in <coughs> in football when a football team is out of control, the club gets fined. And mm. I, I think at some point we and I've said this before on the podcast, we've got to stop pulling in the kids from Hackney into the into in front of the board and we've got to pull Mr. Hearn in front of the board and ask him. It's his press conferences, it's his shows. They're guided by him. I think he needs to take some responsibility, really. Yeah, I, I, I don't think any of us, when we have like, unless it's something so cool like Burbank Holmes or something, <laughs> Holmes bouncing off a car bonnet, which is one of my 10 favourite moments ever in boxing. I mean, really, you don't want to see it you don't want to see it in there at press conferences and it appeals to the lowest common denominator and you know this is something with the casual audience of Sky Sports News they love it I have people that I friends of mine never go to boxing who are getting Banu Hay 1 tickets saying I'm going to be there you know and and that was purely because they've been marketed to and they, they loved the fact that, that that was there it doesn't hurt does it no it absolutely doesn't um we're over the hour mark now, uh, but that's fine. Um, we, we started talking about Spence earlier on. Um, Errol Spence against Lamont Peterson. You excited to see Spence back in action, John? I'm excited to see Spence fight whenever he fights. And Lamont Peterson is a decent opponent. Although, interestingly, I had a look at the bookmaker's odds. Lamont Peterson is a 10 to 1 underdog. Wow. He is the same odds as Rabchenko is against Kel Brook. There's a better chance, according to the bookmakers, of Nonito Donaire beating Carl Frampton. There's a better chance of Jürgen Bremer beating Callum Smith. There is the same odds of an absolutely shot Brandon Rios beating Danny Garcia. You know, I understand that Spence is a really, really special talent, but I just feel that Peterson's being completely dismissed in this fight. And although I don't believe he's going to win, I think he's going to be relatively competitive in the early stages. I agree with you. I think a lot of people, they watch the video of Lucas Matisse wiping out Lamont Peterson and they think that's what Spence is going to do to him. We, Like you said, you have to talk about recent form here. He was desperately unlucky not to get the result over Danny Garcia. Danny Garcia was clearly the guy they were building up to. to yeah, I, thought, I thought he beat Garcia. Yeah. I also a, thought Herrera beat Garcia. It was a, a massive close fight. I think Danny Garcia is he is a wasted talent. Even though he's only got one loss, for me, he's such a wasted talent. The, the performance against Matisse on the Floyd uh, Canelo undercard was fantastic. And he, he, he never capitalised on it. He never performed that good again ever again. Um, but I think you're right, John. Um, Peterson's a live dog here, don't you think, Mark? 100%, yeah. And I, I, I think it's, again, it's like, who's the guy that, I always forget his name, the guy that bombed out Badu Jack in the first round? Daniel Boone? No, no. no. Derek Edwards. Uh, Derek Edwards, that's it. Derek Edwards. People look at that with Badu Jack, and people do get caught early. But if you actually look at Peterson's sort of resume, he's competitive against everybody apart from that one fight where he seemed strangely out of sorts 
So yeah, I mean, you you got to think he's going to be there for. You can see him lasting the course and causing mm. a few problems. And you know, he is he, he's not someone that people would usually choose as a as a as a voluntary. So yeah, I, I think Ravchenko has like zero shot against Brooke. <laughs> you know, if you bought a ticket for that, you know. Yeah, it's a good it's a good fight for Kel, but it's a it's a classic cherry pick from the ratings. But to, that seems farcical. But yeah, I mean, ten to one, it's worth a cheeky pound, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, on a disqualification or something. The one thing we've spent being out of the ring for so long, nine months. You know, yeah. that it, it, Spence, you know, is a heavy favourite. But you know, it's it's not impossible. I've seen stranger things happen, and and in the welterweights, we. If you see things like Frankie Randall against Chavez in the past and stuff like that, and almost any Terry Norris fight, you know, against you know, <laughs> anything can happen. Yeah. Anything can happen. So we don't know. We don't. We really don't know. So ten to one is great odds, isn't it? Yeah, that's fantastic odds. It's really that's yeah, that's worth a fiver of anybody's money. I'd say. Uh, I'm a massive fan of Spence, though. I, I uh, that was the closer that I'd ever been to boxing was at the Sheffield show when he when he beat Kell Brook and. Uh, it was a fantastic performance, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him box again this weekend. Uh, Robert Easter's on the undercard. He's defending the IBF lightweight title. Are you a fan, John? I'm not a huge Easter fan, but oddly, I am a Fortuna fan. Oh, okay. Because anyone who has got bags of talent is unorthodox, incredibly lazy, can punch a bit, can tire... I like all these things. Yes. But I was a Johan Guzman fan, so... <laughs> <laughs> Like a flawed genius there. Yeah, I appreciate these fighters who you've got absolutely no idea what they're going to do. Are they going to be explosive and devastating? Are they going to coast to a drab points decision? Are they going to run out of steam and get chinned by someone limited like Jason Sosa? You know, yeah. it do appeals we, to me. Do we expect Easter to come through this one, Mark? Yeah, the thing is that it's strange. Whenever anyone has talked about uh, the British fighters fighting for a world title at 135 or Whenever Garcia and Linares had talked about unification, they mentioned Flanagan all the time. When I talk to Garcia, Flanagan, no one ever mentions Robert Easter, and he has the IBF belt, so he's kind of a forgotten man. But equally, he could be like the new Mickey Bay type yes. person that has a couple of unconvincing defenses. I mean, he looked. I thought the fight against Comi was very good, very yeah. enjoyable. Uh, you know, he saw himself over the line, but you know. I don't see Easter having any longevity because he's not uh, he's not active enough. Uh, he reminds me of like a 1970s old school sort of fighter you know, that you'd have from Philadelphia or something. But yeah, I just uh, he's just one of those guys that is just going to lose in a nondescript defence. Maybe this is the one. I, I, I get the feeling they're going to feed him to Mikey Garcia at some point. Mikey Garcia's fight with Lipnitz has been called off because of an injury. Such a shame, yeah. Doesn't it make... I think it, I, you could see that eventually them feeding Robert Easter to Mikey Garcia. Um, I think that's what I could see in the long term. So we're pretty much done here. I just wanted to ask you guys what you've got coming up, what you're writing on, what you're working on. I think we can officially reveal the next magazine because it, it's out next week. And what is it? Is it first? Of all? Yeah, we can officially reveal. So yeah. you go ahead, John. You've got the... Uh, I spoke to Kel Brook just after New Year in his training base in Fuerteventura. He's talking Rabchenko, Spence, injuries, defeats, motivation. Oddly, he's he admits that Rabchenko isn't an opponent that's going to be easy to get motivated for. Mm. Mark? 
Yeah, I, I have uh, Spike O'Sullivan. Spike is very sort of colourful, just as charming as you would you would imagine when you see him on social media. Real genuine, good-hearted guy. He has some very uh, funny anecdotes of his time sort of uh, based uh, in, in Boston, and he's on the cusp of some really big things. I mean, he, what he went a little bit under the radar was after he beat Quigley, uh, Nick Quigley on ESPN as a headline, he got offered a four-fight deal with Golden Boy. And obviously, Antoine Douglas, which I think is his best performance today, yeah. uh, he had to real, really argue to, with HBO to sort of get on to, to that show because there weren't sure it be sufficient quality. And the gateway is opened, and Golden Boy are saying, you know, they've mapped out a very exciting 2018. For, for Spike, so it looks like we could see Spike in some very, very significant fights uh, this year. Um, and you know, it's great, because one thing Spike has got, which is rare, is that not only can he bang, he's got a hell of a chin. Yeah. Uh, and that is a rarity. The chinny bangers are more the norm, but to have a guy that's blessed with both, and you know, it'd be great to see Spike get that payday. Fight he wants, he's always wanted to fight Golovkin because he says I can take that shot <laughs> and I want to see it but he would love it he would love a tear up but you know he's a great character and uh, you know it's, it's a fun read a good guy looking forward to it looking forward thank you Jen thanks for coming on today uh, leave reviews um, do you want to give out your social media your Twitter John I'm at JAMACD2011 nice and easy <laughs> <laughs> Mark I'm at KO Writing, and uh, you know, so you can follow me there. And usually, all the latest bits and bobs of Boxing Monthly are all on us. John has some good betting tips as well, so yeah, listen to what he no, has to say. My bank balance begs to differ. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, be really nice. If we get some more reviews. We're constantly trying to get some more reviews for the show because it helps us get up the iTunes charts. Thank you, gents, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.